Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I just love that the church gets to gather together to remember what you have done. And God, each of us come here from all sorts of different places. Lord, we come here with all sorts of different circumstances, God. And God, what I love is right now in this moment, you are the God who knows it all. You, Holy Spirit, are the one who opens up the eyes of hearts. You are the one who's the comforter, the counselor, the convictor, and you are the one who speaks. And in a way that is far bigger and greater than our human understanding, you can speak to each of us. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak. We invite you right now as we reflect on Romans 5, as we think about the way to hope. We invite you, Spirit of God, to fall afresh, to illuminate these words, open up the eyes of our hearts. And we sit with anxious, eager hearts, pen to paper, ready to be filled by you. Have your way. In your name we pray. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today we are continuing our full story series talking about the kingdom of God. And over the last few weeks, I've been sharing with you this definition of the kingdom of God. When people think about the kingdom of God, oftentimes we incorrectly think that this is a definition about heaven. It's about this far off place that we get to someday. And while that is a part of the kingdom, we recognize that when Jesus came into the world and he said, the kingdom of God is here, he was talking not about a place, but about the reign of the king in the hearts of his people. And we also have talked about how the people of God and the kingdom of God It's a little different. We talk about the blessed, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And we talked about, as we think about the kingdom, every Sunday at the end of the service when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we are saying is the kingdom is the reign of the king in the realm of the zeros. The reign of the king in the realm of the zeros. We recognize as Christians that our posture in life is really a spiritual zero. That's the starting point. There's nothing that I can do to earn the kingdom. There's nothing that I can accomplish because of my sin, my misery. But I don't live like a zero because grace does something to me and stirs in me this beautiful truth of a king. See, the law tells us, the law that we learned about in the Old Testament that tells us what is right and wrong, it tells us how at fault we are. Martin Luther says, the law says, do this, and it's never done. Grace says, believe in this, and it's already been done. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom, to be a people of grace. And so we've been thinking about as we're making our way through the New Testament now in our full story series 
is learning about what it means for the king to reign in our hearts when we accept his grace and go from this misery of sin to this place of his resurrected reign in our hearts, resurrecting me. What does this look like in the realm of the hearts of God's people? And today I want to focus on a word that I feel like I talk about quite often, especially around Christmas time, and the word is hope. What does it look like for the people of God to have hope? Hope is a very powerful word. Hope is a life-changing, life-altering word. In the wisdom of Proverbs, the, the, the wise author of Proverbs said this. He said, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. There's something about having hope that brings life. It's been said that we live in a day, an age of anxiousness and hopelessness. That depression, anxiety, stress are at an all-time high, even though we are the most digitally connected people. We have the most access to everything, yet we are the most anxious and depressed people. It's fascinating. But yet there's something about hope. Tim Keller said, the opposite of joy is not sadness. I shared this with you before. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. So the question for us in the kingdom of God I think many of us would say, yes, I believe that. I do believe that hope is the spring of life, that hope is what brings motivation to life. But Logan, I don't know the way to hope. I don't know how to hope. I don't know how to get to hope. I've tried all the things. I've seen all the people. I've talked to all the stuff. I've taken the medication. I've done all the different things that I'm supposed to do, and yet... To be perfectly honest, I feel hopeless. I feel the sickness that the Proverbs say. It seems to me in this passage, as we look at the kingdom way to hope, we're gonna learn something. And I like kind of that play on words. We're not just gonna learn about how to hope. I believe together we're gonna learn of the way to hope directionally the way to get to a place of hope. And it starts in a very different place. You see, for many of us, we would say the way to hope has to do with success. The way to hope has to do with glory. The way to to hope has to do with work ethic. The way to hope our world would say, the way to hope has to do with how many likes or followers or friends you have in social media. But the way of the king in the realm of the zeros is a little different. You see, the way to hope is suffering. And suffering produces a patient endurance in us. This I believe is what the king is teaching us today. 
And that might create a bit of tension. Like, really, that's the good news, Logan? Really, Logan? Like, as we talk about hope today, you're gonna tell me that suffering, like, like that's what, like, like that's the hopeful message, suffer? Listen, I'm just reading the text. I'd love to tell you all about rainbows and butterflies and unicorns, okay? And I think we get there. But here, the Apostle Paul, talking about Romans, he starts from a place of suffering. In Romans chapter five, look at what he says in verse three here. He says this. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. This word for endurance is a Greek word called hupomone. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. I did not do good in Greek class. But I do know from the commentaries that this word is a very rich and deep word. And if you find it other places and did a word study, you're gonna find the word patience, you're gonna find the word endurance, you're gonna find the word steadfastness, constancy. It's not so much about the circumstance of suffering. I've heard it said, it's not about if you will suffer, it's about when you will suffer in life. But here it seems that Paul, as he's writing to a church that is under very severe persecution, as he's writing to a people that are suffering, he wants them to know that this suffering has purpose. And it's not, I do not believe, meant to be this, you know what, just fake it till you make it kind of suffering. I don't know that we see that in scripture. If you go and you read the Psalms of the sufferers, there's this word in scripture for those that are suffering, it's called lament. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? Moments of feeling far, moments of feeling dark, moments of sharing with the God of the universe your emotions, your circumstances, and giving it to him. And so we see here that Paul, now, now hear, hear this. Paul is not saying that suffering produces hope, okay? He's not saying that suffering produces hope. Oftentimes we think, oh sweet, I'm suffering, here comes hope. No, as a matter of fact, he's saying in this Greek word that suffering produces, and we're gonna go to PE class today, okay? And we're gonna, uh, we're gonna draw in black and orange because those are great colors, okay? So the kingdom way to hope, suffering, and suffering produces patient Endurance. And so suffering produces this patient endurance. There's something about those moments of feeling totally overwhelmed and continuing to say, I'm gonna get up tomorrow, I'm gonna continue to be a people of faith that's going to endure through this moment. Suffering does something in you. And this patient endurance then, out of the patient endurance, it produces what I would like to call proved 
experience. In the ESV translation, it says character. Once again, we have a Greek word here. It says uh, endurance produces character. Romans chapter uh, 5, verse, verse 4 in the beginning there. And the Greek word here for character is dokimen, which relates to a testing, a proof, an integrity, and an approval. It's about something about that endurance that you have walked through, that experience that does something. It's about an approvedness, a display to others. That as you endure through this, you become stronger and you become, and your experience does something in your heart and in the heart of your community. You can feel this today on game 162 of the, of the baseball season. Any Giants, any, sorry, any baseball fans in this room? A significant game today for a couple organizations to play for the West. The Giants call this torture. Because every year they seem to always suffer through all the way till the end and it's never easy. And one of the things I love about these baseball teams is they have these veterans on their teams, these people who have been in similar circumstances and situations, been there before, walked through that before, have had the proved experiences that inform that trial. And this is what Paul is writing about when he's talking about character, when he's talking about the suffering, when he's talking about this process of going from suffering to patient endurance to proved experience, he's telling us that through this process, it's not straight here to here. Listen, there's plenty of people in life who have gone through suffering, who have found themselves cold and grumpy. There's plenty of people in life who have found themselves broken off from the world, who have said, it's the world against me, woe is me. There's something that is deeply important in this process to lead to hope. And I believe this is what we call faith. It's what we call faith. From suffering to hope is what a people of faith go through. Patient endurance, proved experience. Look at what he says here in chapter five. It says, and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Something about this process and the spirit of God and our faith in him that does something by his love through his spirit that brings us from suffering to hope by faith. Now perhaps for some of us we sit here and we say, Logan, I know that. Logan, I've heard that every Advent season. 
Logan, I've confessed that. But Logan, my heart is sick. I want to know the way to hope and I cannot find it. I do not feel it. How do I find my way to hope? How do I find my way to hope? Think, I shouldn't say this, I know the key to us, the church, the people who realm, who, who live with the reign of Jesus in their hearts is a simple word that I missed when I was reading this because I'm an American, I'm a Western, Westerner, and I tend to read things and think that it's just about me. I tend to think that it's all about my world and my setting and about what it means for me. But look at this passage, look at the first few verses here, and I'd like you to notice that we don't see any me's in this passage. It's a we. We don't see any sort of individualism, any sort of you just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you endure my brother, my sister. You just have enough faith within you and you can do it. No, it's a we. How do I find this? Look at what it says. Look at verse, verses one through three. It says, therefore, since we have been justified, oh man, justified, the king saying, you are righteous. The king saying, you are mine. The king saying, you are no longer a zero. You are a child of the king. By faith, we have peace, shalom, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing, and then we get into the process. Key to this, what I would like to say, river, river of endurance, river of going from suffering to hope is communal. And as we think about this, I think there's a word for two, for us in a couple ways. First, to the church. Perhaps you're sitting here and you're saying, Logan, I don't, I'm not anxious. I'm full of hope. I've been through this. My life is so good. This sermon is not for me. Listen, we're meant to hear this sermon for us. And as a church, when we hear this, we must recognize that we are called to be a people of relentless presence. That for those who are in the place of hopelessness, we have hope and we share it. For those who are in a place of feeling faithless, we have faith and we give it. And we do this together. Why? Hebrews 10, 23, 24 says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised Jesus is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
as you and I think about what it means to go from suffering to hope as a community, we must recognize that there is this incarnational call to bear our burdens together. And we will be in seasons, remember it's not about if, but when you suffer. And the church is called to suffer together in Christ. In Christ. Why? This quote I wanted to share from Augustine, he said this, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Why do we embrace the suffering of those around us? Because Christ, the righteous one, who came and dwelt among us, who lived perfectly, who took on the cross, and on the cross, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, he took on our suffering, he took on our sin, he took on our misery, and he paid for it. And we are a people of faith who together remind ourselves of this faith who encourage one another in this faith. We are a people who have this relentless presence about us. Hudson Taylor said, at the timber line where the storms strike with the most fury, the sturdiest trees are found. This is what the church should be. A group of people who together hold fast to the confessions of our faith. So it seems to me that we want to remember here as a church, perhaps you're not in a place of suffering, of anxiousness, of pain, of trauma. You know someone in our church. You have someone in your life who is. And you are called to be there with them. Now hear this. That doesn't mean you knock on their door and you open up to Romans chapter five and you say, brother, your suffering is producing endurance and endurance, that is not what Paul is saying. It's saying you show up and you cry with them and you suffer with them. It's saying you show up and you say, I know you don't have the answers and I can't give you the answers, but I believe that Jesus is the beginning of the answer and the end of the answer and I'm here. And maybe there's a time to go to Romans 5, but not in the moment of grief and trauma and sorrow. When Christ came, he came and he dwelt among us and lived among us and died for us. So we must show up in that way. Second, perhaps you're watching today or you're here and maybe you are suffering. Perhaps there's been a cancer diagnosis. Perhaps you've lost a loved one. Perhaps work in your career is not going the way that you would hope it would go. Perhaps your very faith is being challenged. Perhaps you have had questions, is God real? Is God good? 
Is this worth it to the sufferer? My challenge to you is feeble faith. Feeble faith. Because this is what we believe. We are not a people that have this strong, deep faith. Matter of fact, Jesus said it's just faith as small as a mustard seed. It's not about the size of your faith, but the object of your faith that matters. I wanna say that again. It's not about the size of your faith, but about the object of faith. And the object of our faith is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of all grace, who came and dwelt among us, died on the cross for our sins, resurrected, beat it all, and is reigning at the, at the right hand of God, and has given us his spirit. And he doesn't say, you need to have this strong, deep faith. He just says, believe in me, and I do this. I am strong, you are weak. In your weakness, I am strong. And maybe in this moment, you, your act of feeble faith is just saying, I believe, help my unbelief. It's saying, I don't know the answers, but I'm gonna live in this river of grace. It's about the object. This is why every Sunday we focus our eyes on Jesus. This is why we eat of the bread and drink of the cup because it reminds us that we are a people. We are a people of faith. We are a people of faith in Christ who is alive and active and living and powerful. And so I would encourage you on this Lord's Day, exhort one another, stir one another up towards love and good works and let's be a people that live in this. Charles Spurgeon, my, my favorite preacher, he nursed his wife for decades, who struggled with deep depression, anxiety, and he was known to also struggle. He said this about grief. He said this about sorrows. He said, our sorrows are like, are all like ourselves, mortal. There are no immortal sorrows for immortal souls. They come, but blessed be God, they also go. Like birds of the air, they fly over our heads but they cannot make their abode in our souls. We suffer today, but we shall rejoice tomorrow. And the tomorrow Spurgeon is talking about is not necessarily Monday morning, it's glory. It's heaven. It's the hope of communion that one day all will be made right and the Lamb of God will invite us in, there'll be no more tears. And so as we talk about being a people of hope, we recognize that there is this beautiful river that we get to live in. 
long for the tomorrow. We long for the quiet shepherd. I would encourage you to remember these words. I want to close by just reciting to you Psalm of our King. Would you just close your eyes? And as I recite this psalm, and maybe you know of someone who's suffering or you know of, or you are suffering, I want you to hear this psalm from the word of God about our king. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, rivers. He restores my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, suffering, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, Jesus, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my cup, overflows and surely hope, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I, I believe this, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.